Welcome to the Endurance Horse Podcast, where endurance riders from all across the globe gather, sharing their stories, goals, and progress as they train for and compete in endurance events at every level. So kick off your shoes, pull up a chair, and listen as we gather around the virtual campfire and listen to friends from across the world. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Endurance Horse Podcast. My name is Christina Hike, and I'm an equine photographer based in southern Wisconsin. Today is July 28, 2019. Since the beginning of Endurance Horse Podcast, Australia has been a part of it. One of the most wonderful things about the podcast is its ability to bring riders from all parts of the world together. It was through those connections that I first learned of the Tom Quilty Gold Cup, a one-day, 100-mile endurance ride based in Australia, inspired by the Tevis Cup. Sydney, Australia, April the 5th, 1966, a hotel room saw a group of riders, 23 to be exact, gathered to discuss the possibility of Australia having its one-day, 100-mile ride of its own. The group agreed and formed a committee to create a ride formatted after the Tevis Cup that is held across the Sierra Nevada mountains in the United States. The Tevis Cup held its first ride in 1955, a decade prior to the Quilty. In the celebration of the 53rd running of the Quilty, I would like to welcome Bob Sample to the podcast. Bob has been so kind to send in an audio and he will give a history of the Quilty. Without further ado, welcome Bob. Old Tom said to R.M., I remember in my youth A man could ride a hundred miles in one day, that's the truth But it seems to me these days that fat horses are the goal Only fit for Sunday rides or going to a show R.M. said to Old Tom, if we look around Horses with the spirit of the old days can be found And riders with the guts and grit to ride through hell and back You supply the money and I'll supply the track Australia's premier endurance ride was recently held The Tom Quilty Gold Cup event It uh, began many years ago in 1965 The concept was started when R.M. and Erica Williams Cattle ranchers from Australia went to America to view the Tevis Cup They returned and held a meeting, and in 1966, the first ever endurance ride in Australia was held. There was quite a bit of opposition from animal rights people, but it went ahead. It was held in the foothills of the Blue Mountains west of Sydney, and like the Tevis, the concept was to ride 100 miles in one day. R.M. Williams had talked with his friend, cattleman Tom Quilty, who had really extensive areas thousands of square miles in northern Australia and in talking RM convinced Tom to donate money to have a gold cup made on the basis of encouraging people to do what Bushman had done many years ago to ride a hundred miles in a day to get assistance medical assistance or whatever. So the first quality was held in 1966. It's been a long while since then and it's gone through quite an evolution. The early competitors of 50 or 60 increased up to what was recently held. The one in Queensland was almost 300 competitors. It was held initially in the foothills of the Blue Mountains, but in 1985, Australian endurance riders voted to have it rotate from state to state. Distances in Australia are a long way to travel for people, state to state, and our population, of course, is a lot smaller than the United States. So it isn't so easy to get the numbers if it is held just in the one location. In voting to move it from the six states rotating, it was very popular. Riders who would would not have had an opportunity to win a quilty buckle because of the distances were able to do so when it was held in their own state. Competition for the quilty requires riders and horses to qualify. They must complete a 160-kilometre event previously to enter a quilty. We have four weight divisions for the quilty now. A junior division where there's no minimum weight, and they don't compete for the cup. 
lightweight division also where there's no minimum weight, they don't compete for the cup either. So the middleweight and the heavyweight riders who weigh a minimum of 140 pounds with their riding gear, saddle and equipment are able to compete for the cup. Many people competing for the Kulti travel for three or four days interstate to get there. They're the ones who are really committed to endurance in Australia. We have quite a few overseas riders that also compete in the Quilty on horses that they lease. Quite often it's a reciprocal agreement with riders who lease them a horse in Europe or the USA. Recent Quilty, we call it the TQ19 Quilty, was held in Queensland in a purpose-built endurance ride base facility. There's a very big overhead roof, a covered area under which the vetting takes place, and it's 60 metres long by 40 metres wide. It provides protection from any weather that's not uh, sort, of, sort of very conducive to vetting. And the riders really like this. There are five loops that go out from this ride base to make the 100 miles, and each loop returns to the ride base for the vetting, checking of the horses. We've developed our own vetting protocols based on international ones, but a little different. As a result, horses are checked for the metabolic situation and for lameness. Our lameness rules are very strict. If a horse is slightly uneven in its gait, then it's automatically disqualified from the ride. This applies after the finish of the ride too. This year, local riders did extremely well. They were first and second across the line. A young mother of two uh, young children was the first, Kaylee Ma, winning the Gold Cup for the first time, followed by another young person, Jamie Green, a local also, who was second across the line in the Gold Cup event. It was a spectacular success. It was one of the highest completion rates that we've had since 1983, there hasn't been a higher completion rate of 64%. So riders went away back to their home, well satisfied with the event, and praised the purpose-built facility and what it offered, and also the course and, and the success rate there. So that's my the end of my report for this time. I hope to return again to talk about some of my quilty experiences going back to 1970 when I rode my first event and I've rode most of the events that have taken place since. So thank you and goodbye for now. Hi everyone, this is Adriana. And this is Victoria from Marvel Endurance. Uh, we are currently on leg two of the Tom Quilty Gold Cup at Imble. Uh, I'm just trying to steer my horse with one hand at the moment. Not going so well for me. Um, so we've already done the first leg, which was 45 k's. It was a pretty hard leg. Um, and we came in at five o'clock on the dot, five o'clock and two seconds. Um, and we headed out a bit after six, after vetting through successfully. So on leg two, which is 34 k's. Um, Victoria, anything you wanted to add? They always say don't change anything before a ride. They were right. <laughs> you really don't change saddles. Really, really. Victoria's riding in a nice, comfy new saddle, but I don't know. Is it the newness is the problem? <laughs> so horses are going well. Um, Victoria's saddle is comfortable, but also new. So we all know how new things go. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll have good news for you later on. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hi, my name is Emma Tiley and I am from the central North Island of New Zealand. I've just got home from Tom Quilty 2019 um, where we've had just an awesome time so I thought I'd share a bit about me and a bit about um, my journey to get to that ride. So it's winter here at the moment which is our off season. It's pretty wet and muddy and slippery underfoot. The horses are fluffy and mostly turned out on very light work, which made getting fit enough to ride 100 miles pretty tough. At home we have a range of homebred uh, Arab cross horses and a few bought-in ones too. Between my husband and I, we usually have about four or five in work. 
Both of us have been brought up in endurance with our parents being hugely involved in the sport in New Zealand for many years. Endurance is just such a great sport as it caters for a wide range of people, horses and ambitions and I really love the places we go and the sights we see from between the ears of my horse. There's no better way to see the country or the world than from on the back of a horse. My husband Mark has ridden a lot overseas including a couple of quilties and when we saw that the 2019 quilty was going to be at Stirling's Crossing we felt it would be achievable to get there even if it was just to spectate as Mark has a lot of friends in that area um, and had worked there in the past training in the same um, forest where most of the ride was going to be. I'd had two unsuccessful international starts myself previously one at Stirling's Crossing a couple of years ago and before that as a youth rider at the Youth World Champs in Argentina. As the time got closer we got in touch with a few people and the lovely Annette's family had a spare horse so they were amazing at sharing details and sending um, details of how the horse was going in training in the lead up to the event. Uh, lots of photos and videos and details about how it was going in training and at um, lead-up competitions in order to prepare for the event. Getting myself fit enough, on the other hand, was quite tricky. Our own horses were out of work for the winter and I had had a pretty quiet season last season anyway um, due to riding a young horse, having a horse returning from injury and just having a bit of a quiet year. So... I had to start running, rowing on the rowing machine, doing some core work, doing some Pilates and things like that to try and build up my strength alongside some riding on the flatter, dry parts of the farm uh, when I could. The quilty atmosphere is really special. Coming from New Zealand, uh, where we think 70 horses, 80 horses at an event across a range of classes is a pretty good field. Having almost 300 starters in one event, one race, is pretty amazing. But in that one race, there was such a range of horses and riders competing for a range of goals. And it didn't matter whether you were up the front or just trying to get a buckle riding to the maximum time. Uh, everybody was there for the same thing and um, you were congratulated just as much, no matter which uh, part of the ride you finished in. My horse, Kristen, was beautifully prepared and a really lovely ride. The track was incredibly hard underfoot by my standards and I was concerned about concussion. So I rode pretty conservatively and Kristan just cruised around so easily. I never had to kick him and I never had to pull him. He just did exactly what he was supposed to do all day. My conservative approach definitely paid off. I came home with my first quilty buckle on my first attempt and as a total surprise I also won a Pandora saddle sponsored by Pandora and Splendorcrest. The saddle was for the rider who finished exactly in the middle of the field. Some other highlights were making new friends, having to stop my horse on the track for a crossing koala and enjoying some beautiful warm sunshine while it was wet and cold at home. And on top of that, just getting a really um, revived sense of enthusiasm for the coming season in New Zealand, both as a rider and also from an organisational perspective as well. One day I'd love to fly my own horse over and compete, but until then I'd definitely like to do it again on a borrowed horse and I recommend others to either make contact and get themselves a ride or just go and spectate or even as a volunteer help out. It is a really fabulous event with an awesome atmosphere, um, so much history, uh, just a great experience in all aspects. So that's my quilty story. I hope that you enjoy it. Thanks. Bye. Hi. My name is Talia Frank and I'm 20 years old from New South Wales, Australia. I started endurance riding when I was 13 and I have been hooked ever since. I have completed over 10,000 kilometres of competition, competing in five countries so far. Since August last year, my focus has been working for Oso Arabians and helping train and compete our fantastic team of horses. I also set my own personal Big 3 goal this year, to compete in the Quilty, Tevis and Shazada. I have competed in three Quilties previous to this year's. In 2015, I achieved second junior riding Aphrodite Malachia. 
in 2016, ninth lightweight on Schnelli Park Phoenix, and in 2018, third middleweight on Oso Lee. A couple of weeks ago, I travelled up to Queensland with my team, a three-day drive each direction for us. I was partnered with Oso Nicholas, who I have competed alongside multiple times. This was, however, my first time competing on him. Although I have done it before, there is always an added level of nerves when your first competition on the horse is a 160km event, especially being a quilty. Nick travelled perfectly the whole way. He has competed at Sterling twice before, so the travel was something I didn't have to worry about too much with him. I knew he could handle it. We arrived at Sterling the Monday before Quilty. This gave us plenty of time to rehydrate the horses and give them time to relax and recover after the long trip. For us riders, though, that week was a long wait. Friday saw us vet to our horses and we all looked forward to start, with five combinations taking on the challenge of Quilty. Settling up Friday night, Nick was relaxed and the two of us kept our cool, calm and collected mentality all day. The first loop was perfect. The three horses in our group completed the loop with ease. I know Imbal tracks well, having competed in multiple marathons and loads of other rides from both faraway and sterling ride bases. Nick gave me the easiest ride, even up the big hills like Breakneck. In fact, the first loop, 45 kilometres in length, was the best first loop of a 160 I have ridden. Poppy, who normally rides Nick, was my number one strapper. She loves her horse and is desperate to ride the quilty and is more than qualified and experienced. However, unfortunately, as she is still only 11 with the minimum age to compete being 12, her job this year was to help Nick and I get that buckle. Poppy is definitely Nick's little girl and each loop we came in off, she was at the finish line waiting for us. Poppy would take him off me and lead him as I and the rest of my crew quickly untacked him and got him into the vetting. Nick has a phenomenal heart. So his recoveries are quick and in no time each loop we would be in the vet ring. The only time Pop would let me hold him was to trot him out. I didn't mind because Nick was perfectly relaxed in the care of his little girl. All day Poppy was by his side, cleaning him, feeding him, telling me to get away from him and to go eat, drink and look after myself. Poppy would give me advice on riding him, what he would shy at and how she thought he was feeling. She made my day easy. I'm going to miss her next year as my strapper. However, I look forward to seeing her get a buckle hopefully with her Nicholas. Our team was up towards the pointy end all day. Nick and I spent a lot of time in the lead, a position I genuinely didn't expect to be in, however we made the most of it, and I'm proud of what he did for me. He never once made me worry about him. Physically, he was perfect all day. The only time he kind of struggled was mentally running alone towards the end, as he very much is a team horse. This is the first 160 I have ever ridden where I never once doubted my horse's physical ability, Normally, I have at least a couple paranoid moments where I think my horse feels funny, is too tired, or something like that. This year, though, I believed in Nick every single step of the way. Really, I had a fairly uneventful ride. We just kept ticking off each kilometre and each vet check. Nick gave me a phenomenal ride, and in the end, we completed fifth middleweight and fifth overall across the line. At the finish, I never even doubted Nick's ability to pass. He put on his typical solid trot-up, like he did all day, trotted straight back to his poppy who gave him the biggest hug. Nick had done it, my fourth buckle and his second. Even top five like poppy had been quietly asking him all day. Nick also completed the New South Wales state champs only five weeks earlier and there he took home first junior and best conditioned with poppy. So to compete so competitively in the quilty is an amazing effort on his part. I'm really proud of our whole team with all five horses completing top 10 in their divisions and we had three horses presented Pat Slater ribbons. These are awarded to the first 10 horses across the line regardless of weight division. We also had three horses in the top 10 middleweight heavyweight lineup. Our team won the restricted teams event by over two hours which was particularly special for us because although in so many ways endurance can be an individual team we are very team focused here at Oso. The most important thing about this year's quilty for me is the huge amount I learnt. Last year was the first time I weighed up to compete in the middleweight division. In Australia, you can only be the technical winner of a ride if riding in the middleweight or heavyweight divisions. This often means for naturally lightweight riders like me a decision to weigh up to ride competitively. I use lead as well as working on my physical weight and building muscle mass to ride in the middleweight division. Weighing up has provided me the opportunity to ride two very competitive quilties now. I'm honest about the fact that one day I would love to win the Quilty, as is a dream of so many endurance riders. However, for now, I really am enjoying the opportunity to learn and build my skills as a horse person and competitive rider. 
Every ride teaches me something. And this year again, I am overwhelmed by how much I have learned at the Quilty. To be riding against the riders that I looked up to from when I started in the sport is a really amazing thing. I also have to give huge credit to Amanda and Andrew Ketterwell, Linda Mars and the whole OSA team for the opportunity to work and compete like I do. The opportunities that this professional team provide me and the support and encouragement is incredible. Without them, I would have taken a whole lot longer to be riding like I am now. For me, Quilty Ride Day is one of the most important days of the year. It also represents so much more than just 160 kilometres. It's a communal goal for hundreds of people around the country and the world. This year's Quilty was also very special for me as my best friend, Molly Kiros, travelled over from California. She competed as a junior rider and took home a buckle with her. We came up with a crazy plan 12 months ago and to see it coming together was really great. I also think it's really cool to have an event like this that brings so many people together. Whether people are aiming for completions, top 10 or even that gold cup, the work that goes into the quilty is huge. Like everyone else, for my team, our focus has been preparing for this quilty day in and day out, all year. I am very lucky that my job is preparing these horses, though I am also experienced in trying to juggle training while at school and working a normal, non-horsey job. For me, though, I found this year's preparation harder than any other year. I didn't have the distraction that school and a non-horsey job provide. Yes, I get to ride multiple horses every day. I'm really fit and I can keep my fitness up easily, and for that side of things, I am very privileged. Mentally, however, it can be really tough when everything you are doing is towards one goal. Because when things go wrong, and they do, there's nothing really else to turn your attention to. Every awake minute for the last seven months, I feel like we have been talking about the quilty. What horses we are taking, their weight, their feed, training, what competitions to do in preparation, every little tiny detail. We would sit at home watching a movie or something and still end up talking about the quilty. Someone would actually have to step in and say, that's it, for 10 minutes, one hour, something, no mention of the quilty or horses, even though then it didn't really last longer than five, 10 minutes. Though, at the same time, I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I love working with a team that are just as dedicated and focused on a goal that I am. Like-minded people to share the pain, stress and tears with, but also the laughter, memories and success. The build-up to 160 is huge, let alone one with the big quilty name attached to it. My biggest advice to my friends is always not to let the name get to you. Treat it like any other 160. But there really is just something about a quilty that's always so different and always gets your heart and adrenaline pumping. But I think that's what also keeps us going back year after year and planning for the next one the second it's over. I already can't wait to be driving across the Nullarbor with my team for TQ 2020. So that's my quilty story. Thanks, Nick, for another very, very special buckle. Hi, my name is Molly Kiros, and I rode the Tom Quilty as a junior rider. My Quilty adventure started on Thursday before the race. My horse had arrived the night before, and my first ride on him was Thursday. His name was Flamingo Bombastic, and he'd never been pulled from a ride before, and he was attempting his first 160-kilometer race on Saturday. We tacked up and went out for our pre-ride. Bombay was very excited to be out and about, and I knew I was going to have a handful of a horse on Saturday. Thursday came and went, and on Friday, it was time for our pre-ride vet check and to do any last-minute adjustments to tack and such. Bombay vetted in perfectly, and everyone went to bed around 5 p.m. Friday night for a few hours of sleep. We woke up at 11 p.m. to start getting tacked up for our 12 a.m. start. Our camp was right next to the warm-up area, so we tacked up while a few horses were warming up. We, however, warmed our horses up separately, away from all that chaos, and joined them when they said the when the officials said that the trail was open. We went out with the back half of the field of 299 horses. Bommy and I rode with another junior on our team. Our horses knew each other and traveled much better together. We set out on leg one, which was 45 kilometers. It took us just under four hours to complete. We went up some really large hills and got off and ran down the other sides. Bommy was very amped for the first leg and didn't settle in until later. We came into our vet check and all was well. We went out on the second leg. The second leg took three hours to do. It was 35 kilometers long. The second leg helped us space out a little bit more and find our groove better. 
Bommy had finally stopped pulling and fighting me during this leg. He was much better at listening and paying attention to what I was doing. It was dark when we went out for our second leg, and as we came back in, it was just starting to get light. At the end of the second leg, we had gone 80 kilometers or 50 miles. We were already halfway done with the race, and the sun had just risen. At our second vet check of the ride, Bommy started looking slightly off in his hind end. The vets noticed, but it was never bad enough to pull him. They figured he was just getting tired and lazy and wasn't quite as motivated with trotting out as he had been on vet checks before. We headed out again on the third leg, which was 35 kilometers. The third, third leg marked the end of the hilly legs. If we could get through the third leg, we should be good to go for the rest of the race. Bommy ended up leading a lot of the way and was very happy to just go along and do his thing. It was a lot warmer out, but our horses were so well conditioned that they were hardly sweating. We came back in for the vet check and made the mistake of putting water on his hind end. Bommy cramped up immediately, and we had to walk him around while the other horse cooled down. We kept him moving, and he was okay. We went into the vet ring, and the vet took over two minutes to take his heart rate. During that time, I thought he was going to cramp up again, and it would be over for us. He trotted out fine, and the vet said he looked a little off in the hind end, but when I told her he looked like that all day, she wasn't worried. We passed the vet check, and it was time for his hour-long hold. Bommy had been getting tired out on track, but I knew that the hour break would give him his second wind, as it does to most horses during 160s. We went out on the fourth leg, which was 27 kilometers. It was much flatter, and we made up a lot more time. It took us just over two hours. The horses were great and happy to be out there. Bommy got his second wind and didn't act tired at all. They cantered most of this loop and went around acting like it was the first loop. We went through the vet check all good, still slightly off, but the same it had been all day. We knew we would probably finish the ride in the dark, so we put our headlamps back on and ventured out for our last leg. At the start of the last leg, which was 19 kilometers, we picked up another girl whose friends had all been pulled. We invited her to ride with us, and she told us a little bit about herself. She didn't want to ride alone in the dark, because the last time she did, some dogs had gotten loose and chased her. She rode with us for a good part and then trailed behind us when we went faster, but caught us when we slowed. At the finish, the other junior I was riding with and I trotted our way in, holding hands. We came into our final vet check and vetted the horses through no problem. Bommy looked better than he had all day long. His heart rate also was the best it had been all day. The vet said the horses aren't supposed to look this good after a long, hard race. We took them back, wrapped them up, and tucked them in. We finished at 6.19 p.m. After lots of congratulations going around, I went back to my hotel for some much-needed sleep and a much-needed shower. The next morning, I was at the ride again for the awards. I got my buckle, and we found out that we got 10th in teams, and I got equal 7th junior with the other junior I was riding with. As I look back on the logbook and all the vet scores, I see that Bommy actually looked really good. His vet scores were great, and on paper, it looked like we breezed through the race. If it hadn't been for the stress that he might have been slightly off, it would have been one of the least stressful rides I've ever done. In the end, I got my buckle, Bommy got another, and Bommy got another completion on his already amazing record. Hi, uh, my name's Jolene Cole. This is about the Tom Quilty Gold Cup. I'm just going to start reading the questions. Hopefully this isn't too silly. Okay, my name's Jolene Cole. I'm from Orange. The weather has been cold lately. Uh, we get snow here uh, on the mountains. We ride regularly at sort of up to 1300 metres, which is amazing for endurance training, but very cold, <laughs> very cold. Uh, my horse is named Baribo. He's a thoroughbred, off the track thoroughbred. I bought him in 2014. He came from Camden Sales, which is a dogger sale, just randomly went there one day and he put his head over the fence and his big black eye just looked out at me and I was like, wow, I've got to have that horse. And I thought, what am I going to use him for? I, I breed endurance horses, I train endurance horses. Anyway, let's take him home and try using him as a lead pony for the Arabians. So we did that and he was beautifully quiet, so we took him out, within the first week we took him out on a trail leading a young Arab with 
some other, uh, you know, in going endurance horses, horses in work, you know, five or six horses with riders. And he led this young horse and we did 10 kilometres of, of hills, you know, and big hills. And we came back and the whole time I was riding him, I thought, this is the best horse I think I've ever ridden. It's amazing. And got back, put the heart rate monitor on, and he was lower than the rest of the Arabs. And I went, wow, <laughs> okay, we're on to something here. And we did, we, we know we just kept doing the same thing, but I kept thinking in my head, I want to do endurance on this horse. I want to take this horse to a ride. So we looked up his brands and we found out who he was and his race history and we got him a logbook and we took him to a 40k ride at Cobark which is the mid-north coast of New South Wales and it's really hilly, really rocky and he cruised around it with a young girl on him and did it easier than all the others and we went all right let's keep going and we entered him in more rides even his first 80 kilometre was at Kawarik, which was mid-north coast and he won his first 80 kilometre in heavyweight and we actually had to walk him the last half hour of each leg because he had to be it had to take three hours and he travels so easily and covers so much ground that he even going slow he's just that much faster than the other horses his personality is beautiful he's he means business he's He's not lazy. You would never, ever think about kicking him. He is a gentleman. You know, he's the one He's the one in the paddock that will look after the weanling or, you know, uh, the horse that gets picked on. He'll, he'll take that and that will be his friend and he'll look after it and, you know, won't kick it in the paddock. Uh, you can catch him anywhere, body him on any float and, you know, he's just, he trusts you 100%. But you can trust him, you, even when he's fit, feeling good, he will n would never buck you off or anything. He just gets focused and just means business. How did I get into horses? I My father, Peter Cole, he won the 1983 Tom Quilty on a very famous horse that we owned called Chip Chase Sadaka. Um, so I, was, I grew up with Chip Chase Sadaka in my backyard basically. I used to ride him bareback. Uh, I could lead him as a young kid, as 10, 11, I could lead him into a mob of mares and tease the mares with him on a long lead and felt 100% safe. The horse was just amazing. And he's, he's, well, he's world famous for the champion after champion after champion that he breeds. Even now he's been dead years and He's still at the top of the ladder in the UAE, in France, in Australia, in just about any endurance race. So I grew up with the best of the best and I've ridden many, many good horses. But this thoroughbred just jumps out to me as, you know, one of one of the favourite horses I've ever ridden. Preparing for the Tom Quilty this year, we had, we had one goal from the start of the year was I want to do the Quilty on... Barabo. Uh, so we started the year off slowly building his fitness because he's a big horse. You know, he's a, he's harder to manage than an Arab. He's, you know, he's got feet issues. You can't, you can't gallop him down any roads. You've got to keep him, you know, spick and span. So we slowly built the fitness and built the fitness and built the fitness up to the day of the Quilty. The Quilty was the only race I wanted to do. So going into the Quilty, he had a really good prep. No problems going in. You know, we just managed him you know, so that he was just peaking on the day, basically. We decided, you know, we looked at the form of the ride and I thought, there's 10 heavyweights in this that could win. So let's just, let's go for a buckle first. Then the next was, I really wanted to get top five in the quilt, in the heavyweight division, not the whole quilty. I never went going wanting to win the whole thing. I thought, this is his first, you know, let's just, let's get a buckle first. This will be his first 100 mile successful completion and my only my second quilty buckle if we get it so let's get a buckle first and then let's hope for a top five green and gold rug and we started the race slow we, we thought okay let's try for you know 13 13 and a half hours I thought would be would be able to do it okay in you know he'd had the right prep the horse was prepared for that sort of race, no problem, as long as he didn't go lame. And any horse can go lame, of course. We started off slow, about 13, 
13 and a half k's an hour on the first loop. I had trained for the quilty myself to be able to get off and run up the hills and help the horse as much as I could. So every every steep hill I hopped off and walked or I ran or I tailed him up down the other side. I jogged down all the big hills and then we just travelled along and he's at his pace everywhere else. He was really calm, really settled on the day. Second loop, we sped up a little tiny bit because he just felt amazing and I thought, if I finish the second leg with a full tank, we're on, we're right, we can we can play and start looking at that green and gold rug. So then going out on the third leg, he was still like, oh, he was so strong. Going out on the third, we sped up a little bit because I didn't know, see, the, com the computer system wasn't telling us where people were. Luckily, heavyweights, you know, each division had the right colour bib, so you weren't chasing bibs that weren't in your division. Still um, weren't sure because a lot of the loops sort of crossed over each other. So coming in off the third leg, I thought I was near the front of heavyweight, but I, w I wasn't sure. So going out on the fourth loop, still thought there was one or two near me but I thought you know what I'm just going to continue to do my race with my horse and not worry too much if they're in front of me they're in front of me if they're not they're not coming in off the fourth loop I just had so much horse in the tank I was just like oh my gosh I'm gonna I need to slow you down because it's getting hot and you know we're from Orange which is it's snowing here and it was 25 degrees on the day in Queensland and I thought I've got to I just want to get round now. We've come so far, you know, it's the end of the fourth loop. We've only got, I think, 19 kilometres to go, so let's just take it easy. And even going out on the fifth leg, my card didn't swipe and I had to turn around and come back, so I did an extra four kilometres. And so basically he went out a sixth time and he was still pulling and just wanting to go. It was, it was such an amazing feeling. So going out on the fifth leg, I still... I thought I was in front of the heavyweight, but I couldn't be sure. But I just thought, okay, no, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing, travelling along, keeping the breeze going on the horse because it was so hot, uh, but not slowing down too much. And we finished the race. He just felt so amazing. And, you know, everyone cheered and we got through, well, straight through the vetting. And I was like, yes, I got the buckle and first place. It was the best feeling, the best feeling. And the horse was fresh. So that was the best thing, was that the horse was fresh. And I thought, you know what, I could go again. <laughs> it was an awesome feeling. So we did, then the next morning, we did best condition and he won that. So sound. It's such a good, you know, people were ringing me, congratulations. And, oh, I bet he saw this morning, you know, being a thoroughbred or oh, a big thoroughbred. And I was like, no, he, we won best condition. Like, he, it was such a good feeling, such a good, amazing Anyway, um, endurance, how, why I stay with it. Uh, I've actually gone away from endurance a few times. You know, you get to the end of the season and you go, oh, let's try something else. And I did, I've done a bit of showing, quarter horse showing, hack showing, but I just keep, I just get drawn back to it. Either the year starts and you see the calendar come out and you get excited and it's just that, I don't know, that feeling, that rush of you against you. It's, it's, you know doesn't matter what competitors are in the race you can only you could be the only horse in the race and not win it and that feeling is something I just can't get over is it's me against me it's me and my horse you know taking on the world basically um and that that's why I love it there's no there's no judge there's no you know you don't have to wear the right things you don't have to look the best you don't have to feel the best sometimes you go out there, you think you've done everything and your horse is just not right on the day and you've got to take it as it is. And it's also a very humbling sport because one day you can win and the very next weekend you can vet out. You can vet out, you can come last, you know, it, anything can happen. And I just love that the big teams and the person with one little horse can swap places each weekend you know the biggest team in Australia can vet all their horses out and the person with a little two horse float and one horse can win the whole show and then the other way the next week and it keeps us all on a level playing field I think we're all family really because of this we all understand you know it's us against us you know I might race I might race you this weekend but next weekend you know, I don't do any good and I just love that. So that's what keeps me 
keeps me in the sport. Goals for the season. So I think I'll spell Barabo now for the year. I think he's, you know, this was the goal. Like, it's so hard to have another goal when that's your big goal. You know, I'm so happy with him. I think I'll rest him and bring him back in next year for maybe a state championship. I don't know if we'll go to the Quilty. It's all the way in Western Australia. I want to. Um, I don't know if I will, so we'll see. But I think, honestly, think the horse is good enough to do anything I want him to do. I just, if I put the time in. So, well, I think Queensland state champs next year, and uh, he's just getting better. So I think we've got many years left in the horse. How did the ride become a goal for me? The Quilty, I think, is in my veins it's in my blood I the only thing that stops me thinking about this quality is thinking about the next quality I grew as a little girl I remember riding around on a stick horse in the lounge room playing with dad's quilty cup and um, it's just it's such a huge deal for me it's a dream come true I'm getting first heavyweight at this quilty I, I I definitely didn't think I'd ever do it on a thoroughbred uh, I hoped I'd do it but maybe not this year but you know, I'm so happy. <laughs> Hi, Jenny Chandler here. Newly back in New Zealand from Australia, from the Quilty. Wow. I guess my Quilty story actually started about two and a half years ago um, on the 13th of December when suddenly I had a shadow forming on my right eye and the next few days it progressed and by Friday I couldn't see anything out of my right eye it was nearly black the whole way down so I ended up in hospital I ended up on prednisone and I went back into hospital and I'm sitting in hospital on Christmas day and I'm thinking am I going to be able to ride Tigger in the 160k and near the end of January of course, that's what you think, right? So I'm worrying about this. Will I be able to ride? And my friend Kerry's son-in-law, Mark, actually approached Kerry and said, you know, if she's not able to ride, Brooke Sample might be able to ride Tigger, might like to ride Tigger. Of course, that's Brooke Sample because he's Australian. And I said, well, who's Brooke Sample? Um, well, he's only a seven times quilty winner. So it's kind of like, well, yeah, okay, he's probably good enough to ride my pony. And I hummed and hard about it because, you know, it's hard after all that work to give away your ride in the North Island Champs and the three-star 160K. And I thought, well, what if I'm better? What if I say yes now? Yes, he can ride, he can ride Tigger. And what if I'm, if I'm better? And I thought, well, actually, if you're better, just suck it up and be happy and enjoy getting to meet somebody with that amount of experience and think about what you might be able to learn from him. So I said, yes, yes, if Brooke would like to, I would love him to ride Tigger. So Brooke came over, and he's a hell of a nice guy. He rode Tigger beautifully, did exactly what I asked, got a completion in about 15k an hour. I think it was 10 and a quarter hours, which was perfect. Can you hear that? It's just started raining quite heavily and I've taken all my ponies covers off oh well <laughs> so Brooke went back to Australia and I asked before he left you know could I come over and have a ride in a endurance ride in Australia and of course he said yes yes of course you can that was fine I'd never ridden in Australia at that point and then of course the Tom Quilty's coming up it's in Queensland it's on Brooke's brother's brother Matt's property and so what an ideal opportunity, you know, so I sent him a message, you know, could I possibly, would you possibly have a horse for me in the quilty? And he said, yes, that's how I came to have a ride on, on one of Brooke Sample's ponies in the quilty. And, you know, what an experience, you know, the base, you've all seen the photos, the amazing cover over the vetting area. The trotting lanes were on the grass away from there, so you would vet undercover and then trot out on the grass. Huge marquee. Have you seen photos of the toilets? Wow, they're all charcoal tiles on the floor, white tiles on the walls, beautiful mirrors, little table, and a heated floor. So when it was really cold at night, it's like 
yep, <laughs> gonna go, gonna take walk the extra distance to go to the warm toilets, and they were so nice. You'd walk in and your glasses would fog up. It was just, yeah, just mind blowing the money that's been put into that facility and just how nice it is. And you know, the size of the camp. There were nearly three hundred starters to the ride, and so by the time each horse has its supporters and its crew, and each camp's got a couple of trailers and yards, and that's just my pump starting up in the background there. Um, so I got to meet my pony, Amethyst. She's just a young horse. She's only eight years old, rising nine. The most she'd done so far was 80Ks. She'd completed a few 80s. Looking back in her logbook after the ride, I see she'd started in a 120, but they'd chosen to not elevate after two loops. They'd pulled her out and just taken the two loops. I haven't asked what that was for, just probably looking after her for whatever reason. So we were going to go double what she'd ever done before. And the training rides with the whole team, so eight horses and we're all trotting along single file, or a lot of walking, a bit of trotting, and Brooke would, you know, just give us all bits of information as he thought of them. And so for my horse, the aim was 10, 11 kilometres an hour, um, speed up the last couple of loops if if she was feeling up to it. I was really pleased about that because just imagine the pressure if he'd given you a, a really experienced good horse, you know, there'd be that pr pressure to perform. Whereas with Amethyst, I had, all I needed to concentrate on was to get her through, to look after her and just go steady, enjoy myself. I'd have time to look around, you know, time to get out my camera occasionally, you know, no pressure, time to stop and eat, let the horse eat, get to, you know, chat to people if, if that happened. And I was actually really looking forward to it because of that. It wasn't a disappointment. It was actually sort of a relief just to be able to enjoy my first quilty, just enjoy the experience. So it starts at midnight. Um, a little bit earlier than we normally start in New Zealand. We usually start at 1am, so pretty similar. Got up at 10.30, got some food. We'd been told we'd be saddling up at 11, so saddling up at 11, leading them around to warm up, making sure all the gear's right. One really exciting thing was that my very good friends, Kerry and Richard, who, crew, who often crew for me in the big rides in New Zealand, had come over as well, so I had my own crew and that was pretty special to be able to share um, the day and the experience with them. So Kerry was leading my horse around, get on and go to the collection area before. And like I said, there was nearly 300 horses and it was actually very orderly. We were just all circling around in a clockwise direction. Um, a lot of them were, were trotting. Um, because Amethyst and I were only going slowly, I figured I didn't actually need to warm up too much. So I was just walking around near the centre and then they have the live singing of the Tom Quilty ballad, which is just so special before going out on this very special ride. Because I'd been warming up early, he actually ended up singing it twice during the time I was riding around. So that was that. I had the chorus stuck in my brain and I was singing it to myself for just about the entire first loop, which is pretty inspirational, really. The first loop was 45 kilometres, so it was a long first loop. And there was a lot of work in it. In fact, the first three loops, there was a lot of work in those three loops. Not a hard track in that, not a difficult track, not as technical as a lot of the tracks in New Zealand because most of it was forestry roads. So you'd go straight down a central, quite wide forestry road and then you would turn off that and turn off it on loop one and do a big loop out around and getting gradually smaller but still forestry roads, still drivable by vehicle. So even when they were narrow and very picturesque with lots of beautiful trees, it was still drivable by a vehicle. So really not terribly technical as in watching every foot. You just had to watch out for the odd pothole and the occasional lump or whatever. But yes, relatively straightforward for a dark loop. But like I say, a lot of work in it because there were some substantial hills. In the second loop, when we came back off the first loop, she vetted awesomely just really quick straight in as soon as we got a heart rate it was 48 so we were straight in CRI 48 we had 50 minute hold I um, was able because I had 
two crew looking after my horse. I was able to go off and cook myself up a great breakfast of fried bread with melted cheese and a fried egg. Don't you love riding 160k rides? You can eat anything you like. It's great. So that was really good. Out on the second loop, we went off in the other direction. That was a really nice loop, some really pretty stuff, but also another really big hill. There was one thing I liked with these little, some of the signs were these little cartoon-drawn horses. And my favourite one was after we'd just climbed this huge hill. And, of course, what goes up must come down. And it's always quite hard to know when you start going down, is this going to be a big drop or are we going to stay up for a while and so you know do I get off my horse now or do I ride down a little way and see if it's going to go substantial distance I don't want to hop off walk for 10 meters around the corner and then suddenly find I want to get on again because it's flat or going up a slight hill but there was no doubt in this case because the little cartoon sign had a horse with a parachute okay we're going to be going down a long way and quite steep second loop she vetted fine. It took a little bit longer to get in, but not bad. Um, then we were out on the third loop, and this was shorter than loop one, but in the same direction. Loops three, four, and five were all down that main forestry track with little loops going off them on smaller tracks. And there was a lot of work in loop three again, some big climbs right over the top and down into a valley, did some work on the other side and then back over that hill to the main road and back again and then another loop off onto the left hand side um, that was about so loop one was 45 loop two I think was 34 loop three was 35 kilometers then loop four and that was only 27 but again there were a couple of there were three loops off the main track and the first one in the well, maybe the four loops four loops off the main track the first one and the last one had quite a bit of work in them and by now it's it's starting to get dark. The race is won. The winners have, have been in for some time. I'm heading out short hold for the last hold, only 30 minutes. And I'm heading out on the last loop. Got my headlamp back on my hat because it's going to get dark soon. When the sun goes down, it gets dark pretty quickly. So I was ready for that. This one, this one was a short loop, only 19, 18, 19 kilometres. So it was straight up the main road right up to the turnaround point that we'd had in loop four. So we hadn't gone and done the, the little hard loop um, with the climb in it, gone straight to the to the turnaround point, little short loop off the main track, back down. Now, I knew that there was, because on loop four I'd seen signs for loop five, I knew that there was another loop that was going to go off to the left. And it was quite hard, not that it was hard to see the markers, they had reflection on them, but loop five was marked in brown and I was very cautious. I was watching those markers and making sure that I put my headlight on them so that I could read the brown loop five and watching out for that turn off. So I saw it okay, did that loop, no problem. One thing about, about Amethyst, you know, she'd only done that 80Ks previously, a few 80K rides. And initially, and possibly they were only two loop rides. So suddenly here we were in a five loop ride. And initially she was puzzled. You know, why are we going out again? And she was a little bit reluctant to be saddled up. She's a bit girthy, so she didn't really like having the girth done up at the best of times. But we'd lead her out, and then I'd hop on, and every time you'd go through the start, and she'd just trot off, even though she was confused. And in fact, you know, the the third loop was her most confused. She didn't really want to go out again. She was, you know, like I've done eighty k's. This is we stopped now. But then after we'd gone a kilometre or so, she'd get going. And throughout the next few loops, even though I was getting tired, she would kind of get this bit where she'd almost kind of not really hit the wall, but you could just tell she was flagging a bit. So I'd hop off when it was a downhill, I'd hop off and lead her. And then even when it got flat, as long as it wasn't uphill, because I'm not that fit, as long as it wasn't uphill, I'd just run beside her and we'd trot along for a while. Then when I did get back on, it was like that had really freshened her up and she'd go, OK, let's go. You've been holding me back, let's go, let's go catch up. So I kept doing that, even on the last loop in the dark. I did get off and lead her for a little bit, but by now my legs were really starting to flag. And so I only did that well once once for a reasonable distance. And then I noticed when I put it back on, I got the martingale all tangled up. So um, another time when there was a downhill, I got off and sorted that out and led her for a little while. Um, but like, that's enough, my legs have now had enough. Um, but what a trooper, because by the time we'd got to those those last two loops, she actually went out easier because she's like, okay, we're going to keep going forever. Let's just do this. And she'd just trot off down the course 
and be up for it. She's such an awesome little mare. You know, I think when she gets this more experience, because you know, the first loop, we were riding on our own. I had been going to ride with someone else, but she'd actually swapped to a, a faster horse. Someone in another camp had a, a very experienced horse, and she swapped and rode that one and ended up coming second in the lightweight division, which was awesome. So I was riding on my own, and I don't think that Amethyst had ever ridden on her own before. So the first loop, she was not confident. You know, she was looking for her friends. She was a bit hesitant. She didn't really, you know, she wasn't settled. But after that first loop, she got the hang of it, and she was just gaining confidence the whole way through. And it was just, you know, I think next time she goes out, she's just going to know so much more. She's going to be much more confident in herself and she's going to be a force to be reckoned with because such a tough, awesome little horse. Yeah, and I got a buckle. Yay! Yeah, if ever you get to do a Tom Quilty, it's quite an experience, just the the size, the capacity of it. And also on that on that last two loops, you know, every horse you rode past, there was a lot of two-way traffic, so you were often passing other horses. And even though in the dark you couldn't see who it was, you know, we were all calling out good luck to each other. As you go past, it'd be like, good luck, and same to you. You know, because once you're, once you're there and once you're, you know, the race is won, it's not about where you're going to come in the ride. It's all about getting that buckle, looking after your horse, trying to get through and complete the ride successfully. And everybody appreciates that right down to the last horse. You just want each other to get through and to have a good day. And at the end of the day, it was a 64% completion rate. I mean, how phenomenal is that? So, you know, if you get a chance... Have a go at it. Catch you later. So it is night now here in Wisconsin, and as I'm standing outside, I'm looking up under the stars, and I can see Jupiter. I can also see the site of my new little barn we're going to be building. And I'm thinking about how horses and the love of distance riding connect us. All of those amazing riders over in Australia and New Zealand that were on the podcast and Molly from California, how we're all connected by the same love of just being outdoors, being with the horse, the commitment it takes to condition a horse and build it up to do any distance of riding, let alone the amazing feat that you all just completed. I had planned on doing one complete episode focused on the Quilty Cup. But I have extra files. I have an extra at least half hour of files. And so I'm going to ask you, if you're listening, if you rode the quilty, or even if you crewed, if you could please take a minute, send me five minutes or ten minutes of audio about your experience over at the quilty. I need about three or four more files, and we can have a part two. Because I'm going to tell you, you're going to want to hear the rest of the stories. Thank you all for listening. Ride far, ride well, ride often. Everyone's a winner if you survive the course. So thank you stars, thank you God, but mostly thank you horse. Also thank the strappers, those who sit and wait. Light the fires, hold the rugs, put breakfast on your plate. They're really riding with you and they pray that you'll get through. God bless you all, you strappers, cause we depend on you. Tom Quilty, Tom Quilty, our name will ever stand. As long as we have horses to ride across this land. Horses with courage and riders with guts. We'll ride your course, God bless the horse and your old gold cup. Station in the sky, old Tom looks down and smiles as he sees the horses muster to ride his hundred miles. That a spirit of this great land, and they'll give it their best try. At the stroke of midnight, you can hear the riders cry. Tom Quilty, Tom Quilty, our name will ever stand as long as we have horses to ride across this land. Horses with courage and riders with guts We'll ride your horse, God bless the horse And your old go cut
Tom Quilty, Tom Quilty, your name will ever stand As long as we have horses to ride across this land Horses with courage and riders with guts We'll ride your course, God bless the horse and your old gold cup We'll ride your course, God bless the horse and your old gold cup